0: A roundup of the main business news from China and elsewhere. This is Global Business. From Citizen headquarters in Beijing, this is Global Business. I'm going to the headlines we're tracking at this hour. Housing factor. Home prices in major Chinese cities experienced a decline in January, although the rate of decline has been narrowing. Urban transformation in the last episode of Smart cities starts on the ground we explore the innovative development of underground spaces in Guangzhou and the City's remarkable progress. And grey economy foreign recycling companies are increasingly drawn to the Chinese market due to its carbon neutrality commitment and positive impact it holds for the country's sustainability goals. We start with China's property sector. Home prices continued to cool in January, with a narrowing decline observed in both the new home and pre-owned markets. In the first first tier cities, prices of new homes dropped by three tenths of percent on average. Only Shanghai experienced a slight increase, while both fourth tier, second tier, and third tier cities saw a four tenths of percent decrease compared to the previous months. The downward trend also extended to the pre-owned home market as prices in the first tier cities declined by one-tenth one percent on a monthly basis with narrowing decline of one-tenth of percentage points. Second tier cities experienced six tenths of percent fall, while third tier cities reported a seven percent a seven percentage of uh, seven tenths of percentage decrease. My colleague Sun Ye is in downtown Beijing to provide a detailed breakdown of the measures taken to boost the housing market during the Chinese New Year holidays and the response of cities to these policies. Sun Ye, uh, could you provide an overview of the major measures implemented to boost the housing market during the Chinese New Year holiday?
1: Hey We have seen efforts to stabilize the property market and it is expected more measures to boost housing market is coming along and this is only the start of Chinese New Year this year. Now the latest and biggest lift this week for the housing market is the 25 basis point cut to over 5-year loan prime rate. That is the biggest LPR card ever by the central bank. Now many lenders base their mortgage rates on the over 5-year LPR and Tuesday's cut has made the home mortgage rates approach historic close And the Chinese New Year holiday period, uh, that is the mid-January all the way until now, had seen more measures to shore up the housing market. On January the 12th, the Ministry of Housing and Urban-Rural Development, with uh, financial supervisory authorities, issued a document on establishing a coordinated uh, mechanism for urban real estate financing. And by the end of January, the first batch of projects. Projects to get financing support have been named, and then China's five major state-owned banks disclosed that over 8,000 projects are eligible for that financing support. And analysts in the uh, industry have said expected it's ex- expected that more projects will receive financing support, and that buyers could have their expectation stabilized. Junfeng.
0: Right. So yeah, it seems uh, cities at different levels, you know, both uh, first tier, second tier, and third tier, have been quick to respond uh, to these policies in recent weeks. Can you elaborate on these actions taken by these cities?
1: Right. Uh, let's first go back to the end of January where uh, the Ministry of Housing and Urban Rural Development has said each city could employ fine-tuned and targeted strategies to adjust its own housing market. And if we have seen uh, responses very soon, especially for China's biggest cities uh, who are quick to lose their buying restrictions. Uh, Guangzhou had been among the first to respond, cancelling its restriction on purchasing houses of more than 120 square meters. And Shanghai had also changed its housing purchase restriction policy. Now it's supporting non-local single people to buy houses and Shenzhen had since canceled its requirement of years of residence and social security for home purchases. And here in Beijing, the capital city where everyone is watching for its moves, one of its key uh, districts, Tongzhou, had also lifted some of its restrictions on buying houses since then. But the market that are the most responsive to all of those boosting policies over this holiday have actually mostly come from second-tier cities. The Shell uh, Research Institute um, said during this year's Spring Festival holiday, second-hand house viewing and transactions in key cities has has significantly rebounded uh, Mm -hmm. compared to 2023 with the second-hand house transaction increasing by more than 70% year-on-year. It says in second- and third-tier cities, Uh, cities where policy boosts are even more significant. Consumers are more willing to tap back into the housing market.
0: All good signs. Thank you so much for that latest update. Sun Ye for us in Beijing. Now, for more discussion on the home prices in major cities around the country and Chinese property market, want to bring our guest, Chu Qiang, a research fellow at the Beijing Foreign Studies University. Mr. Chu, how do you interpret the recent fluctuations in home prices, actually declines in Chinese major cities, considering uh, the overall decline? But some cities experiencing uh, price increases, such as Shanghai?
2: Well, actually, China, well, we call it a uh, uh, house market in China, but actually, China is a very, very large country, and we have yeah. very diversified a city and economic structures mm. uh, in many, uh, you know, second-tier city or third-tier city. Yes, uh, the house prices is slowing, uh, slowly growing down uh, as we have already uh, observed for sure. But I think uh, the acceleration of the going down has already been stabilized, which means the curve has already been s- flattened. Expectation has been, uh, you know, stabilizing. And I think uh, the future, we're going to be brighter. But uh, for some other big cities, for example, like first-tier city stars like Shanghai and Beijing, or Guangzhou, I think, is a totally different picture, because I think the more uh, business opportunities will be more concentrated in the big cities like Shanghai and Beijing. So I think the trend will be totally, you know, different, because you know, with more of the people trying to get into the cities like Shanghai and Beijing to find the business opportunities, the house price has actually been uh, going up, and especially for the second hand of the houses, it's growing up even faster than the uh, new houses, because in the city of Beijing and Shanghai. In the city center are basically exhausted in the land use. Uh, so newly built homes are usually in the suburb, uh, in the uh, suburb or in even further suburb. So I think uh, the uh, people with the money in their hand do want to buy the houses in those regions. But the second hand of the houses in the city centers like Shanghai and Beijing have become very, very precious because the sellers are very limited. So I think that's a reason why the second hand of the houses in Beijing and Shanghai are growing up. It shows it very differently from the certain second-tier cities in China.
0: Mm. How will the twenty-five business points, five-year LPR cut on Tuesday help alleviate burden on mortgage holders and impact home demand? If you consider uh, LPR reform since 2019, in the past four years, uh, the mortgage rate has declined almost one percent.
2: Well, mortgage rate LPR cut will definitely you know, help the uh, house uh, prices and house market for sure. But uh, the effect will be taken into two different sections in the long run. Yes, indeed, uh, because if you take a look into the five year or 10 years mortgage, you know, uh, burdens on home buyers is going to be phenomenal. So it will definitely reduce people's burden on buying houses as long as there is also an inflation going on. So the cut on the rate as well as the uh, you know, inflation. So it will try to mitigate the burden on house buyers. But in the short term, according to our, you know, uh, empirical studies, according to the historic data mm. in the short term, actually, the trend will not be reversed that quickly because the home buyers will always stand and watch. Their expectation will be created. That is, well, central bank is probably going to reduce their LP art or cut lower in the future further. So why why don't just wait for a moment and see how low this rate can go? and they probably should buy the houses until the lowest bottom showed up. So I think until they waited out their patience, still we will need some time to see there's a reverse, uh, uh, there's a reversal of the buyer's desire.
0: Yeah. So following up on what you just said, many buyers are waiting. So when do you anticipate China's home prices uh, to cease their decline? And what additional policies might the uh, policymakers roll out to stabilize the market?
2: Well, I think, as I just mentioned, Chinese house market has already been stabilizing. Uh, well, it's still in the road, on the road in the process because uh, I think the fastest dropping actually happened in the uh, early of the last year or the end of the year before last year. Uh, I think the pandemic really you know, disturbed the people's expectations for their long term planning because home buying is actually a long term expectation and long term planning issue. But I think uh, last year's Q3 and a Q4, uh, when the central government issued many relief packages and policy combos, so I think the market expectation has already been stabilized, especially for the major developers, uh, uh, with the help of central government and central bank. So there liquidity issues is basically off uh those eager sellers who want to liquidize their assets to solve their dissolvency right now i think is not an issue so next thing we need to look at is you know for short term is the supply of m2 and in the long term is the growth of the population and the business opportunities so my um, my guess is that and my for myself uh my my guess is that by the end of the, this year uh the earliest or the q3 or q4 of this year or until uh, the late uh, the Q1 and Q2 of the next year 2025, I think we're going to see the reversal of the market, especially in the first tier and the second tier of the city, because well, with there's a shifting gears in Chinese uh, you know economic structures, more of the newly popped out economic uh, opportunities will be majorly focused in the major city like Shanghai and Beijing, like the AI related jobs, like you know new media or e-commerce related jobs will appear in Beijing, Shanghai, and Hangzhou. So those cities' house market will be revived first and later come after with some other cities.
0: Right. And um, we know that the U.S. Fed is going to cut its rates in uh, probably in July, and it's widely expected China may follow suit by cutting its benchmark one-year LPR, which is the, uh, the rate used by uh, private consumption and uh, private company uh, borrowing. So under which conditions do you think China would follow suit in cutting rates?
2: Well, China would not follow suit. China is one of the very few countries have a very independent, you know, sovereignty on the po- monetary policy. I think this is cool. And uh, well, I think especially when the 2024 China have a very strong coming back in the consumption and in the econ- economic rally and rebounds. So I think China is not that eager to cut the uh, LPR rate. But I think there is a probability for China to card their LPR rates further in this year, not to a very large extent, but they will probably do it, uh, you know, according to the economic development later of this year. That is because, uh, that is because um, you know, Chinese uh, LPR rate, especially in the mortgage market, is still very high. If you want to buy a new home in Beijing, you still need going to pay 45 for a bigger house or for your second home. Yeah. This is basically near the level in major development market. Even for now in America, in the European Union, they still pay like 5%. So it's, it's getting very close. So Chinese uh, you know, uh, interest rate is not that low. So uh, in the future, especially as you just mentioned, in July, USA and European Union probably are going to cut their rate. So there's no reason for China to stay still that high. If they cut, well, China, if one in balance, they you know, capital inflow and output, it probably, you know, keep up with the pace a little bit. But still, as I mentioned, it's totally been, uh, I think, most of the uh, extent being depended by, uh, decided by Chinese own economic fundamentals to see how low or how high the IPR will go.
0: Thank you so much. Very interesting insights from Mr. Qichao, research fellow at the Beijing Foreign Studies University. It's always a pleasure
3: talking to you. The world economy as we know it is about to change. Global Business Reports highlight emerging markets, developing countries, and dynamic sectors worldwide. We feature top analysts and newsmakers to provide perspectives on every facet of business. From an on-the-ground perspective, we provide you with balanced and objective assessments. Fast, sharp, and insightful. Global Business, only on CGTN.
0: Earlier this month, Chinese uh, President Xi Jinping highlighted the importance of developing new productive forces to drive high-quality development. And among these new productive forces, data stands out in a digital area where it encompasses various aspects of businesses. However, accurately valuing a company based on its data isn't always straightforward. Since the start of the year, Chinese companies have been urged to do just that, recognizing data on their balance sheet as an asset or product for sale. Our reporter Zhang Shixuan investigates how data trading operates in China.
4: Where we go, what we buy, who we are, to someone, we are data.
5: We need data. Data is the oil of the 21st century.
4: If it's regarded as critical as crude, it's going to be valuable and serve as a foundation for a wide variety of businesses. Data has been increasingly important in this era. China's digital economy was worth more than 50 trillion in 2022, ranking second in the world, and accounted for more than 40% of the country's GDP.
0: China, yes, it goes through with, with a very unique ways, quite different with the other countries, typically uh, quite different with the U.S. and Europe.
4: This is Tang Qifeng, the general manager of the Shanghai Data Exchange.
0: Amazon have a data marketplace. They are listing about uh, like uh, three to four thousand, include uh, satellite mapping every year. I think they were generate about like ten billion U.S. dollar for the marketplace. But for China, we use it another way.
4: In a country like China, with 1.4 billion people, there is a mountain of data out there. Let's start with a look at the nation's vast road transport network.
3: The expressway toll collection system collects more than ten thousand different data points. The data accumulated every day is calculated in petabytes.
6: Is this the largest volume anywhere in the world? What does that mean? China has the most highway mileage, 178,000 kilometers, ranking first in the world. China has more than 11,000 toll gates. When a car passes the ETC, the system collects the information from the license plate, whose car it is, the mileage, the time, the direction, and the charging fees.
3: Banking, insurance, and logistics.
4: They're from a road transport data service provider in Shanghai.
3: Our data products have been accessed more than 20 million times in less than a year.
4: How should data be shared? And what protections are in place? To get the answer, I visited a road transport data service provider in Shanghai, one of the companies responsible for issuing electronic tow collection or ETC cards, which allow non-stop passage of freight vehicles on expressway.
6: In the past, traditional financial institutions were hesitant to enter the road cargo transport industry. They think of it as high risk. There were Internet platforms offering loans with annual interest rates over 30 percent, Now some banks are cooperating with us. They can get logistics operation information and get data support after loan issuance.
4: While some might like to think of data as the oil of the 21st century. Unlike oil, we don't always know where data comes from, who's selling, who's buying, and how it's being used. With an endless stream of it being collected and packaged up by different companies and organizations, encouraging them to manage security and privacy, is an issue that won't go away. Shixuan, ICS for the GTN, Shanghai.
0: China's data trading sector has experienced an annual compound growth rate of over 40% since 2021, reaching a scale of 88 billion yuan. China accounted for nearly two-thirds of all data trading in Asia and more than 13% globally in 2022. The constant exchange and monetization of vast data sets through data trading also serve to exchange to enhance the capabilities of the big data industry. China's top industry regulator says the country's big data industry is expected to exceed 3 trillion yuan, or about 470 billion US dollars, by 2025. By the end of 2022, it had surpassed 1.5 trillion yuan, representing a double-digit growth of 18% from a year earlier. Guangzhou, the capital city of Guangdong Province, has been leveraging its underground spaces to drive economic growth. With the largest underground shopping center in China already in operation, the city is now undertaking the construction of the largest underground space in Asia. Our reporter Zhu Zhu brings you more details on this development.
6: Stepping off a metro line in Guangzhou and we are now in a fashion lovers world. Fashion Tianhe Plaza boasts a myriad of international and local brands, ranging from high-end boutiques to 20 streetwear. Oh, it's so easy to get lost here. This place is the largest underground shopping mall in China, offering a blend of shopping, dining, leisure and entertainment, all beneath the surface. Covering an area of about 20 soccer fields, customer footfall here reached over 45 million in 2021.
2: We are trying to attract customers to our indoor pet park. They can take photos with this alpaca for free. Apart from
4: shopping, there are also many experiential activities for young people here, such as the escape
3: prison games.
6: We can take metro line number one or number three to come here. It's very convenient. Apart from metro lines number one and number three, there are over 100 bus lines connecting to this place. In addition to Fashion Tianhe Plaza, Guangzhou is also in the process of constructing another five-story underground shopping mall at Guangzhou International Financial Center. Once completed, it will be the largest underground space in Asia.
1: The underground shopping mall can also offer a
0: longer shopping hour regardless of climate and weather outside the shopping mall, and uh, land service area as well. Longer operating hours together with other new interesting concepts
5: and features, can definitely offer a new shopping experience to people.
6: The Guangzhou 14th five-year plan outlines that by the end of 2025, the traditional and new above-ground and underground infrastructure networks in Guangzhou will be further improved. The plan aims to establish a modernised infrastructure system that is essentially compatible with that of international metropolises. Chujo, CGTN, Guangzhou.
3: Whether it's about your education, the home you live in, or the items you buy, your money has a story to tell. Because every business story is a human story. Global Business.
0: Recycling plays an increasingly important role in China's industrial chain due to its goal of achieving carbon neutrality by 2060. German companies with significant experience and know-how are taking advantage of new opportunities in the Chinese sector. Medtask a German-based B2P platform for international trade and recycling businesses, is one of them. Bing Ren talks to the company's founder and CEO, Rafael Shuchan, who spent decades working with the circular industry in China. The two discuss the growing promise of the market.
1: As China tries to reach the carbon neutrality before 2016, recycling will play a vital role in the whole industrial chain to help the country form a circular economy. What opportunities do you see in China?
3: If we look at carbon neutrality, we can see that China is fully committed to reach carbon neutrality by 2060. We see it in different areas, for example, the move towards renewable energies, um, the implementation of electric vehicle policies, So we see basically that there is a strong move to reach this target. And in order to reach this target, circular economy is a very important aspect. And most of the metals that have been produced in China have been put into use in the last 20 years. China just last year sold more than 6 million electric vehicles in China and exported more than 1.5 million vehicles to abroad. So this means in the next five ten years a lot of those vehicles will become available for recycling
1: Germany has a lot of experience in engineering management and recycling so how could this experience and its resources help your company to adapt to the Chinese local market
3: Um, so actually if we look at the total market size China is the biggest market for recycling in the world and it is also the fastest growing market for recycling in the world what we do is on the one hand side we provides them already now with uh, raw materials, with the scrap raw materials that can be recycled, but we also provide know-how to them on how the recycling can be done in an efficient way in order to get most out of the material uh, that can be reused again. We as German companies have the know-how for recycling because we've done it over the last decades and China is right now the fastest growing market in this area. Uh, so of course we are very eager to implement our know-how, our knowledge here in China.
1: Do you see any impacts of the China-Germany and political relations on the investment by your company in China? Will you invest more in Chinese market?
3: Last year in 2023, German companies invested a record amount in China more than ever before, right? So basically uh, China and Germany are very tightly integrated from trade perspective and from investment perspective. China, for German technology, for German goods, for German know-how, is the biggest market. So, of course, German companies will continue investing in China. And not only from a political perspective, but from pure economic perspective, it makes a lot of sense. And it's very difficult to undo this connection that exists. So, looking at our company, and in this case especially MetHeikel, for this year we plan to set up a subsidiary here in China in order to bring our know-how from metal recycling into China and also not only bring the know-how that we have, but also further develop know-how and maybe then also even export the know-how that we develop in China to other countries.
0: German automaker Mercedes-Benz reported a slight 2% rise in unit sales in 2023, despite constraints for supply chain production. The company is cautioning against
5: over-optimism amid wider economic headwinds. Mercedes-Benz is probably one of the most recognisable German brands out there. They've just posted their 2023 figures. While sales were up, their CEO has urged against over-optimism. These are tough times economically in Germany. Official forecasts have been revised down from a hope of 1.3% growth to a barely perceptible 0.2%. Veering between stagnation and recession in the past few financial quarters, the German economy has struggled to weather heavy seas of inflation and geopolitical unease, something that Economy Minister Robert Habeck has termed a perfect storm he says the country needs to change in a changing world the situation is challenging extremely challenging we must do more we must address the reforms and booster reforms in order to strengthen and maintain Germany's competitiveness in a totally different global environment Germany's manufacturing industry has been hit especially hard by the loss of cheap Russian gas imports. Alternatives, particularly liquefied natural gas from the United States, are considerably more expensive. The German central bank, the Bundesbank, announced earlier this week that economic output was set to fall again in the first quarter of 2024, making two consecutive quarters of contraction and a recession. Mercedes bosses were full of praise for sales of their vehicles from 2023, but they have been keen to stress that the world faces what they've called exceptional uncertainty, and that could have an effect upon sales in 2024. The government in Berlin is also worried about the same uncertainty, and that's why they've revised down their expectations for the German economy this year as well. Peter Oliver, CGTN, Stuttgart, Germany. We'll wrap up this edition of Global Business. I'm Junji Feng. Stay with us.